of the award-winning Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story, and yes, you heard it correctly. Thanks to the International Auto Media Competition, our Talking About Cars edition number 44, with Wayne Carini of Chasing Classic Cars and our tribute to the late George Barris, won a gold medallion award and best of radio honor at their recent award ceremony at a concourse car show in Plymouth, Michigan. Thanks to Tim Kelly and everybody at the IAMA and the International Auto Media Registry for this great honor. You could listen to the winning podcast on iTunes, where else? Where I suggest you can also subscribe to our podcast. So this way, when we upload a new one, you'll get an official heads up. Also, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. You know, we've all seen some unusual weddings before. In fact, once upon a time, two local TV stations here in Los Angeles had highlights of my sports wedding on their local newscasts. But Irwindale Speedway announcer Bob Beck here in California and his lovely bride Peggy had another idea, combining their nuptials with a classic car race and demolition derby. And we'll have that coming up a little later on in the program. But first, if you're a fan of car customizing and the talented people behind those wild designs, you know the name Rick Dore. He's also hosted shows on Discovery like Lords of the Car Hordes and Rusted Development. His designs are smooth and flow like no one else's wheels. Which is interesting, since Rick didn't take the usual route to find out he loved cars. You know, the old I found out about it when I was two or three or started playing with toys. Nope. His appreciation came later in life. It came along really uh, when my kids uh, became teenagers, when we had more time and more money. Uh, before that, things were, of course, tight and we were raising. They were much younger. And fast forward into 1984 or five is really when I got into custom cars. When you grew up, though, I mean, what kind of cars did your folks drive around with? Did they have anything that kind of helped your get that imagination, the juices flowing? No, and in fact, they didn't. I grew up in a pretty poor neighborhood in New York, in New York, and uh, I rode the trains as a kid. I've got no great car stories as a child, really. Uh, I do remember my sister bringing home a boyfriend, and this was the early '60s, like when Kennedy was still alive. Uh, I was a young boy, and I remember. He had a shoebox Ford, and the roof was chopped away. Uh, but past that, you know, I had an uncle that had a Cadillac 55 or 56 convertible. Past that, most of the guys in my neighborhood didn't have cars. The ones that did were the guys who made it back from Vietnam and got a loan on the GI Bill or whatever it was called then and would go out and buy a muscle car and be on the drag strip the next weekend. So when you started, really, you were going in a different career path altogether? Uh, yeah. Uh, I had uh, went from Boulder, Colorado to Phoenix, and uh, it was a Sunday morning. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I seen a Chop 50 Merc at a red light on 51st Avenue in Bell Road in Phoenix. It was the first Mercury that I remember, speaking for myself, seeing, and I chased the guy down. Never did get him to stop. Uh, but that he just took off like a bat out of hell. Off when the light turned green, he probably got that all day long with this car. Yeah, people yeah. wanting to stop and talk with right. him. So uh, that was a big inspiration. That Mercury. I remember in the rear quarter he had it was in script memories, and uh, never did see the car again. But that's that's really what started it. And I got into mild customs. Uh, you know, we we're doing engine swaps in my garage at home uh, with the best means I had at the time, you know, friends, 
and uh, but that's how it started off. The the Rick Dora thing or the show car thing was never on the map for me. It was never a goal. Uh, it wasn't until several years later uh, that I went to the Oakland Roadster show with the Buick and that won, and that was '91 or two, and then from there it just accelerated and picked up. Isn't it interesting how you could be going through life on one roadway and all of a sudden the next thing you know you're taking an off-ramp you didn't expect? You know, you never know what's going to happen in life. That's it, isn't it? You know, I, re I was just talking with somebody uh, that I've been seeing for 25 or 30 years and uh, we were talking about the different groups of people that we've seen come and go. Uh, and for the same reason that I wasn't around younger, I was raising kids. Now we meet people that have a car and they, we see them for a couple of years and then they disappear. And you wonder, wow, they must have got out of it. Well, they're really raising their kids or they're putting them through college or they're going on with life. Very few of us are still here from years ago. And uh, it's, it's cool, but on the other side, the flip side of it, you'd like to see more people stick around. But. So what was your first car, the first car you grew up in? The first car I grew up in, uh, the first car I owned was a 63 Buick. I mean, a 63 Buick LeSabre or what? Um, mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Uh, how did you get it? Kind of a long story. I got it through a girlfriend uh, who later became my daughter's mom, my oldest daughter's mom. Uh, long story we want to go into, but nevertheless, the car was cool. It had a big dent on the side. I took a spray can and wrote, ouch, of course. <laughs> And, uh, and from there, your from there your custom uh, work began, right? And from there, it all began. That's right. <laughs> we move forward from there. Well, we all got to start somewhere. I like that. The old ouch beginning to the customing career. That's very good. Was that the car you mentioned? You took a Buick to the Oakland show. Was that the car, or was that another Buick you took? No, that was another Buick. Uh, the first Buick we brought was Lavender Persuasion. It was a '57. Uh, it was a Radical. You know, it was chopped and. Uh, Radical Custom Class. That was the first uh, big hit, uh, Lavender Persuasion. And then uh, we did a couple other Buicks and a Cadillac, and it just kind of took off in the early 90s from there. I must have liked the attention, the magazines and all that, and uh, I don't think I was aware of that at the time, but nevertheless, I was digging it. On the 57 Buick, because that particular model, uh, for, for those of you who remember what a 57 Buick looked like, they had the 55, the 56, which is kind of a staid, blocky, old-style General, uh, General Motors car. Then the 57 really was kind of a dramatic, I don't want to say custom version, but it was certainly a sleeker version of that body style. What was it about that that made you want to come up and gave you inspiration to, to build that out? Richard Zoki's 57 Buick. In all honesty, I had seen uh, at the West Coast Cruise at Paso Robles. It was in Primer. And, uh, you know, it was one of those cars that just grabbed you and pulled you in, even in the Primer paint. Uh, that was my big inspiration. I didn't want to clone it, but I wanted to do a car like it that was chopped. And, and we did it and uh, pulled it off, and it went over went over big. We're going to talk about a lot of cars that you made, or I assume, and I don't know this to be true, but are a lot of pictures of these cars out on the internet? If people want to like look up uh, your classic vehicles, like the 57 Buick or something like that, they might be able to find images? Uh, Rick Door Customs, uh, the website or Facebook, they're all up there. Most of them are up there. There's, uh, I think Aquarius is the 48th or 50th car, depending on who you talk to, my wife or me. Uh, but we're right in there somewhere. Uh, there were eight or ten cars that we built that were never shown. 
that went right to the clients, went right into a trailer and went to Texas or New York or Pennsylvania, uh, that never made the magazines, uh, that were really cool cars, uh, but didn't have them long enough to bring them to shows. Did you, I assume you have pictures of them somewhere. Uh, there are some pictures, no really great shots. There was a, four, a couple of 40 Mercs. There was a 50 Merc, a 51 Merc that people didn't see, a number of them, an Auburn people didn't see. Uh, I see them once in a while, they'll come up on the internet for sale on eBay or something, or I'll hear of them at an auction, and I'll get phone calls like crazy. Hey, I seen you, I seen your car last night on uh, Barrett-Jackson or whatever it was, and you know, it was a car I sold 20 years ago. As a guy, though, that builds these cars, I mean, you build them to show them in a sense. I mean, you yeah. build them because people give you money to build them, but I mean, is it more satisfying to you to build them to be shown like the vehicle you have here today or is it a little odd when they take them say thank you lock them in a trailer and put them somewhere where no one sees them again odds a good word for that it's kind of awkward uh when you're parting with them i mean the business end of it's done but you know like we're here today for this show we didn't have to come all the way up here but we like the people we love the area it's a great show make new friends see some old ones that's really what it's all about for me. We still build these cars to show them, uh, but we're just down to several shows that we really do every year to show them at. And that would be SEMA, the Grand National Roads to Show in Pomona. You know, there's a handful of them we still do. Do you have a favorite? I mean, you've done, like you said, a whole bunch of them. Is there a favorite that sticks out? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I love them all, and uh, I, I get asked that quite a bit, too. Uh, it seems like in the 90s I had a favorite, but now it's all blurry. I don't, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't remember much from the 90s either. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Things start to blend. There's been so many cars. Okay, uh, here's, a different, here's a different question then. Of the cars you had, was there always one that you thought, man, can I get that back just to fix it a little differently? Because you weren't totally happy with the way it came out? Yes. Yeah. It was a 40 Ford pickup truck we did for... Uh, Baywood Cellars, I think it was. It was a winery up in Lodi, California. And uh, it was one of one of the few cars that I wasn't happy with the end result. Uh, I didn't have any say over the color or the flames that were put on it. And I'm not a flame guy. I love flames, but I don't put flames on my cars. Uh, uh, that's one I'd like to get back. But pretty much I'm, I'm cool with the rest of them. Let me, let me ask you, what's in your garage right now, whether it be a daily driver or another custom vehicle or something that you have that you, because uh, a lot of guys have cars in their garage. What kind do you have? Well, I've got the Black Pearl in my garage right now, and the Aquarius is is usually next to it. Uh, I drive a pick, uh, an 09 Chevy pickup truck. My wife drives a Lincoln. Uh, a recent Lincoln? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think it's a... 2012 okay, or something. That's, that's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I have a 50 Mercury I drive as well. Uh, chop 50 Merc. So I, I've got a few cars. Talk about the cars that you have not done yet because you've done a bunch. Yeah. Uh, and I assume, and I'll just throw it out there, that you probably not necessarily have a list, but in your mind, you've got a car that one day you haven't done yet that you want to grab and do something with. You know, that's a tough question because uh, there's been so many cars. Uh, some of my favorite cars are the 36 Ford Roadster. We did three of them. Uh, 
Tangerine Dream, Razzmatazz. I forgot what the other name one. The other one was. Uh, Where do you get the names, by the way, for these? You know, I ran out of names years ago. <laughs> I, you know, in the late '90s, I got down to when in December we were doing the crunch for the Oakland Roadster Show. We uh-huh. debuted the car. Uh-huh. Back then, it was up in Oakland at the Coliseum, the original spot. And uh, I, I started, you know, Lavender Persuasion, for example, that 57 Buick, my first car that was really a home run, uh, it looked pink in the daylight. And uh, it was really lavender. And people called it the pink car. And I would try to persuade them that it was lavender. That's how it ended up as Lavender Persuasion. Things like that. Razzmatazz was just something I came up with. But in the late 90s, I was running out of names. I'd go through old rock and roll albums. I'd go through astrology books. And, yeah, books about other planets trying to, you know, I I did it all. A man who uses his library for a good reason. Good for you. Okay, so you went in, and somewhere down the line, you had the television show, which was on Discovery with Chuck Palumbo and all that. And tell me how that came up. Uh, that came up. Uh, an English production, a London-based uh, production company had called me up and asked me if I was interested in doing uh, this show. They told me the premise of the show, and, uh, and I passed on it originally. And they said, well, uh, give us, can we give you a call back in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk, and got off the phone my wife thought I was crazy a couple of weeks went by and uh, she persuaded me to go to Virginia and we, we shot the pilot in Virginia this is pre Chuck Palumbo this was just it was just Rick Dorr and uh, we did the pilot there uh, Discovery picked it up they loved it at the time and uh, I had heard of Chuck through some friends he knew more of me because I was really more of a car guy so to speak than he was he was wasn't really uh, you know he was doing the wrestling thing for his career and uh, they said we got a guy for you today we want you to meet and we want you to do the uh, audition with he was auditioning we had already shot the initial pilot and he was the 13th guy that auditioned for that show and that's that's no bull and uh, they came to my house it was a Sunday morning it was raining the director and the producer came over he says well what do you think about this guy he says just anybody let's do this show this, he's like the 13th guy and they hired him that's how it started okay so give me an idea of a general guide of what who are the other guys that they interviewed that maybe we might have heard of that uh, obviously didn't get to work with but I mean did you know any of these other guys I knew a few of them I suggested them uh, uh, the first several, ever, seven or eight, nine guys were from like the southeast Florida, Georgia. One guy I think was from Charlotte. Uh, and I had mentioned a few names when I realized they were really stuck. They needed, they needed another partner for me. Right. And uh, we were at the Grand National Roadster Show, actually. And they auditioned guys there that didn't make it. Now, and, we're not talking necessarily wrestlers like Chuck. No. They were just typical sidekick personalities they were they were were true car guys they were true car guys Uh, not that chuck wasn't but they were true car guys uh that i knew Uh and uh but chuck in a sense was his own entertaining force i mean he would he had that thing which is i think what they were probably were looking for exactly yeah he had he had the look whatever that was uh he uh had some knowledge about muscle cars muscle cars was really his thing uh the conflict between us was he was not a custom guy at all wouldn't look twice at him you couldn't get the guy to say a nice word about a custom car except a lot of hours in that work 
a lot of hours. So that just tells you, you know, he, 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 that wasn't his thing. You know, he was more of a Camaro Corvette kind of guy, which is cool. You know, it's a car. Everybody's got their own. Uh, that's one cool thing about custom cars. Everybody's got their own, their own things, sure. you know, and uh, it don't matter if the other guy likes it. If the owner does, it's cool. Me, on the other hand, I always want people to dig my cars. That's why I'm here. You know, in, in, in the early years, I'm not afraid to admit it, I'd go to Oakland and I could have a thousand people tell me how cool the car looked. And one guy would come along and say, why don't you use those wheels? <laughs> or why would you two-tone? Whatever it was. Right, exactly. And I would spend, you know, I was much younger then and inexperienced. Uh, I would spend the rest of the day not thinking about the 999 people that all but kissed me. I'd be thinking about that one guy and did I do something wrong there? Or no, man. Whatever. Everybody does that. Everybody does that kind of thing. So now you've had the show. You had the show for two years. I saw the one where the guy you went in and ended up doing a 55 Pontiac or something like that for this one guy because you took out a bunch of his cars yeah. and he ended up redoing the Pontiac. Uh, you remember that one? Yes, I do. The two-tone, the pearl white and blue Pontiac. Right. Yeah, that was first season. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So now your possibility of looking at uh, another show? Well, we already we already filmed the pilot. Uh, it's being presented now through an agent, but it's uh, not about car hoarders or anything. It's really about me and my son and the coach built cars, the cars that we're building these days. With Marcel, I don't want to go without mentioning Marcel's name. Marcel did all of the metal shaping on the Black Pearl as well as the Aquarius. Are you able to do a show like that where you concentrate on the cars and don't get so much into the entertaining part, or is that the way these shows go nowadays? Well, uh, or are you just that entertaining the way your son and Marcel and all these other guys interact that it works out, you think? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I got a big life, you know, I, and, and I try to enjoy life and get along with people. I love cars. I don't know if that was part of it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, Never know. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it picks up. Uh, we talked about what cars do you have right now in, that are you're working on now that we'll be seeing in a few months, yeah. years, whatever. Uh, I have two cars that are done, uh, painted, finished, upholstered that nobody's really seen. Uh, we're going to be bringing one of them out at SEMA, uh, 2016. It'll be in the north lobby, the grand lobby at SEMA, and. Uh, I hope all our listeners come out and check it out. They'll get a kick out of it, though. Any hints as to what kind of car it is or what you did to it? Well, it's completely coach-built. It has a lift-off Carson top. It's all LS. Uh, it's built a lot like the Aquarius, uh, although in styling it's radically different. The grill, the fenders. Uh, it's just under 17 feet long. It's got a 124-inch wheelbase. Uh, it's champagne it's it's pretty wild pontoon fenders uh yeah how much fun are you having with all this i mean with all the the ability to see the people to make the cars to get up there on, on a stage if you will i mean you're with the, in the spotlight how much fun is this for you well it's a lot of fun i feel very fortunate to be in this as a hobby and as a business to be hooked up with people like marcel delay uh, and some of the other guys that I work with, you know, it's, man, it's, it's heaven. You know, I got it made. Custom car builder, Rick Dorr. All right, so you're a car person, and you plan on getting married? You want your wedding to be a little different? Well, consider what Bob and Peggy Beck did. 
Hot Rod Bob is the voice of many classic car shows and events around Southern California and hosts car shows like Gas, that's G-A-A-S, that's the Great American Auto Scene program, and he also co-hosted the Old Speed Scene live show on YouTube. Bob and Peggy decided to get married. Live at Irwindale Speedway and turned it into the Rings and Rods car show. Was it love at first sight for those two? Oh, we met 20 years ago. We had no clue. We were, we, we'd been friends for about 15 years or so before we started going out together. Once we went out together, we kind of knew it, but it was one of those things where I wasn't going to ask yet, she wasn't going to ask yet, so we waited till I decided to ask. Now, was this something about cars right at the beginning? You guys had cars in common, or did this come later in the relationship? Yeah, we had cars in common, as well as we work for a car company, so it's kind of mutual cars in our blood. And <laughs> We met in a carpool. Yeah. <laughs> we called it the rolling HR violation, but it was a carpool. I see. And what, what kind of car was it if it was a rolling HR violation? A rodeo, and sometimes a trooper, and sometimes a Amigo, but we worked for a, a, company, a company called Isuzu, and we had company cars. Years went by. How do you propose? He gave it to me in a gift box on Christmas. I had to unwrap the big box to get down to several other littler boxes down to get to the ring box. And then he goes, well, we really haven't talked too much, but will you? <laughs> and I'm looking at this ring and said, yes. <laughs> You're that guy. You're the guy with the smaller boxes or the smaller boxes. Of the box. Now, the other thing, though, is that once I gave her that, she was a little apprehensive about giving me my gift for Christmas. It was shooting lessons. <laughs> what, what kind of weapon were you dealing with shooting? Nine millimeter. Nine millimeter? Yeah. Nice yeah, it's a nice, it, good feel in the hand, a nice kick. You, know. you guys decided to get married. How long did it take? Who popped this idea into the mix? Uh, we were driving down the road on the way to another car show and started talking, when are we going to do this? You know, we, we haven't set a date. And we had just released the schedule for Irwindale and Night of Destruction. Sounded appropriate for a wedding to me. Yeah, we wanted it more in the summertime and having our friends and family to be able to get here and, and those with cars could get here and those without cars could still enjoy and be here with us and celebrate. And that's what we felt was the best part of this venue. I got an unusual wedding as well the first time I got married. We did a sports wedding. We had certain family members who looked at us like we were crazy and what are you doing, tampering with you know the, the way you're supposed to do the straight and narrow. But did you have anybody say, uh, are you guys serious? Were they joking? No, they were all excited about coming out here. And we had fr family from Utah and Nevada and other places come out because it was going to be a fun wedding yeah and that's basically what it was it was we told them it, no one really objected or had it they just said ah oh, yeah you guys are car people that's a cool idea you guys had an opportunity to do your own vows yes. uh now how did that come about and especially you bob because you had the more no offense peggy you did fine bob you're a little creative let's just put it that way well yeah you know me and and talking you know we, we do something somewhat similar i'm always finding ways of saying something differently and this was a perfect opportunity for me to say that, ask her to, you know, her ask her the vows or do the vows differently. And since we're both car people, I threw cards into the mix. And, you know, for better or for worse, for this, yeah, for toes and running out of gas, and that, yeah, that's more like us. To be your husband in marriage and car collecting, racist and unwanted. I promise to love you with all my heart, even though you drive forward. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
when you stall the engine. Kind when you grind the gears. And unselfish when you want to drive. And I'll always love you. I promise to sit beside you when you drive your hot rod. In times of joy. When you get another trophy. In times of trial. When you break down the road. In times of sorrow. Where we have to be towed. I pledge myself and all the way I love to you, baby. This appeared to be quite an endeavor. Tell us the truth. It went pretty smoothly, but how crazy was it behind the scenes? It really wasn't that crazy behind the scenes. It's just a matter of getting all the cars together and people with their wristbands and telling family where they needed to be at to go get their wristbands and just show up and <laughs> brave, brave whatever it is and come on out. Yeah, Irwindale Speedway did a great job of helping us out. We have 200 friends and relatives that came here they supported that. We've got the car show area full of over 50 hot rods and muscle cars and customs and, and race cars. They allowed that. They did a press release for it. It's been in the local newspapers. It's been on the websites. You know, they stepped up and helped us make this one of the most exciting events around. To the power vested in me by God the Father and the state of California, I now pronounce you man and wife. And uh, I think we're going to try and top it next year. We're going to have an anniversary cruise called Rings and Rods 2. And we're going to ask people if they want to uh, get married at our cruise night to come to Rings and Rods 2. Do you guys know where this is going to be? Not yet. <laughs> yeah, July 2nd. Where? We're not sure yet. One thing for sure is we're going to pick someplace cooler. We'll look probably up in the, the central coast area where we live where uh, it's usually about 20, 30 degrees cooler than L.A., and we'll do it at the beach. Again, we're talking to Bob and Peggy. They just got married here at Irwindale Speedway. All right, somebody out there is listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, this is so cool. What a great idea. Give them some advice so they know what to do to set something like this up. Well, first got to make a relationship with the track and the people. Talk to them, tell them what you want to do. Pick a night that they're already functioning with something. Help them, and we, in our case, it helped them enhance the event. This is a sold-out event. Now, whether it's our fault or not, I don't know, but obviously something we had something to do with it, and it helped them. It gave them some added publicity, and with that, they were able to uh, have fun with it with us, and they got involved with it and helped us do it. So that always helps. The venue being part of it makes things a lot easier. Peggy, what about you? Any suggestions you might give? Just let the man take over and plan the whole event. I just told him, tell me where I need to be at, when and where. I'll be there. Meanwhile, I can, I can hear people out there going, no, what do you mean? No, that's, that's actually a great idea. Just let one person actually set it up because that way you guys don't knock heads trying to put something together. Yeah, we, we did it. I, I kind of spearheaded. We agreed on what the basic was going to be. And then every week I'd bring something new to the table. And it wasn't something that she necessarily had thought about, but it was something that enhanced it. And she got a kick out of it just like I did. I've got to ask, what did you bring up at one point that Peggy either said, I don't know about that and you did it anyway, or you a later thought, nah, we're not going to do that? You know, there really wasn't anything like that. Because uh, with our situation, we think alike in many cases, which is scary at a lot of times. But we also have the same warped sense of humor. So everything just worked out good. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. But now she did. We, we did plan the shoes together. 
Okay, now for those of you who don't know, they're wearing identical, uh, I guess, uh, checkerboard vans. Is that is the best way to put it? Black and white checkerboard vans, and it looks great. So that was about the only thing that we really mutually said we're going to have to do. But then I'd bring something different to the, like the wristbands. We made up special wristbands. They've got a picture of our car on it, and it's got our name and the date. Then I uh, worked with a friend that does hat pins. We've got a hat pin to commemorate it, so everyone's got a commemorative gift of the date. Then, uh, without Peggy knowing it, I did it. Uh, I made a cake topper using pictures of the shirts we're wearing, the pants, the shoes, our hairstyles, and so forth, and had a cake topper made that matches us. And for those people that don't know exactly what a cake topper is, think bobblehead doll, except it yeah. doesn't bobble. It's a, it's an actual doll, but it's uh, it looks exactly like a bobblehead doll. Yeah, and uh, it sits on top of the cake. So it's got a picture of her wearing her Shelby-style shirt in white with a blue stripe, and I've got the blue with a white stripe. I'm holding a microphone because that's what I do, and she's holding a wrench because she does do that too. You wrench. I do. What, what was your last time you wrenched, and what would you do? Yeah, I was fixing the joke on my 46 Ford trying to get it to idle better and because <laughs> it would get stuck so yeah okay it's a, a little while after the event you guys are married congratulations best thing about the day so far uh, that all our friends and family are here and just having a great time and enjoying the weather the racing and just being here to uh, celebrate with us best thing about the way the wedding turned out we got people here that have never been to a race the common denominator was knowing one of us. They're all together. My, my family has come together, people that haven't seen each other in 10, 20 years. I got to meet all of her family. And my family got to meet her family. And it just, and friends got to meet friends. This is just a great gathering of, of friends and family. Hey, friends and family, what'd you think about the wedding today? <laughs> By the way, as you listen to that engine revving, it's shooting out blue flames into the air. For race car fans, I gotta tell you, that's better than fireworks. Hey, if you're listening on iTunes, remember, number one, subscribe. It's free and you'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads. Then rate us, write us a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us. And then tell your car pals and fellow club members about all the great guests we have and cool stories on our award-winning, that's right, we're award-winning now, Talking About Cars podcast. Also, check out our videos with our partners at Generation Auto, also on YouTube. Until next week, I'm Randy Crudun. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. <laughs>